0: My name is Alec, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. Now, thanks everybody who's been listening to all my episodes lately. It's really taken an up kick, and I really appreciate it, so um, thank you. But this week, I wanted to talk about something super relevant to right now, because it seems... Kiss anime has finally gotten to Kiss Death after many, many, many years and many, many, many attempts. So I I wanted to take this episode to talk about piracy and like I wanna take this episode to talk about piracy and its role in the anime community and its role in the and its role in A, the Great Crash, which if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go listen to the, not the previous episode of this podcast, but in the feed there's a previous Sunday edition where you can, where I cover the anime crash of the, like, 2010, basically. So, and I also want to talk about, KISS anime in particular, because KISS anime in particular was doing something super heinous that none of the other, like, um, what's the best word for piracy sites, like, piracy sites are a little strong, because they're not, these sites aren't doing as much as other sites are doing, these sites aren't doing as much as they used to, in terms of, like, the legwork of a good pirate a good internet pirate on the high seas, so to speak and so for context here i want to talk about um the pirate bay which is still alive as far as I, as far as anybody knows it's still alive but anime piracy has been around since kind of the internet got good enough at least in my experience, and there are a couple. There are a bunch of factors as to why anime piracy became such a thing, and the first factor in anime when anime first exploded, it was a It was something that everybody wanted to see, everybody, and, you know, the primary primary watchers of anime were teenagers, you know, when I was, when I first got into anime, I was in middle school, and, actually it was earlier than that, but, um, it was, when I first got into anime, I was in grade school, like, not even middle school, grade school, and, I watched anything I could get my hands on um anything I could rent from the from the video store, anything I could convince my mom to let me buy anything anything that was on t v anything anything and after a period of time, I was capable i after a period of time we had a laptop, actually not after a period of time, I got a computer really early on in my life as part of, like, basically a Make-A-Wish program, because if this is your first time listening, welcome, this is not a normal episode, I would encourage you to listen to a normal Thursday episode where I ramble about anime, um, instead of a Sunday episode where I ramble about anime industry shit with slightly more knowledge in my skull. But when I was 15 months old, I was diagnosed with cancer, um, with brain cancer, actually. And I... As as part of your reward for surviving cancer, you get a wish from the Make-A-Wish Foundation, or some similar foundation offered you some similar, like, option, and so one of those foundations approached my mom, and they asked her if I would like to either go to Disney World, or I'd like a computer, and this was in the early, 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 early 90s, so Computers were not like a thing that everybody had immediately, and I was a disabled kid, so my mom was like, Alex would fucking hate Disney World, they wouldn't let him on any of the rides. And which is very true, by the way. Um, I am a risk for just about any moving ride because I have a very weak left arm that could just like snap off in the wind. Um, and I went, and my mom was, said, "We, I, he was like a computer. She d- didn't even like budget, just like he would like a computer. And what that did for my life going forward is it, it changed my life going forward. I, since then, have had like a affinity for computers that, few people that the few people outside of people who work with computers have because I've kind of since I was a young kid always had access to them in a way that like many people my age their first computer was came much later mine was very early so it makes total sense to me that once anime was piratable or streamable from the internet, I was totally capable of go finding it. And the way this, the way, and I'm actually I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Crunchyroll again because you know Crunchyroll story factors into this greatly. The way it used to be. It used to be that you would either download or stream anime illicitly. Now, I'm not going to say illegally for reasons I'll get to in a second. The way you used to do that is you used to go to any number of websites. Um, I can't remember them right now, and I don't necessarily want to give them because they probably like this. But a a group a, a fan subbing group would essentially would look at the releases for the season and say, We we want to fan sub this, 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 and this. And enough and there were enough groups where just about everything would be fan subs from one group or another. The most notorious group still doing it is horrible subs, and I don't even think they do it in the same way anymore. And you used to have to go to a um, combination of different fan and groups websites and different streaming websites to watch everything you wanted to watch in a season. It was a chaotic. It was a chaotic existence of a way to consume of a, a medium of media, so to speak, and. Uh, I want to be clear, it was not easy. It was not, like... It was not what KISS anime became, where you could go and watch seemingly everything. But it was... kind of what you needed to do if you were... an order or two beyond what was currently being broadcast. Like, if you were past the tsunami, like... Block of stuff, if you're past what you could rent what was available to rent or own and you still want to watch more, that was really your only option. it was not this was not the universe of simulcasts. The first big simulcast experiment was um actually space dandy space dandy was like a big, weird experiment in that, like, 72 hours or something, which is, like, an insane amount of time to have to wait now. Those episodes would be on TV, I'm pretty sure, from what I remember. And that was a big, weird thing at the time. Meanwhile, if you wanted to watch, you know, a crappy crappy recording of a... of an episode of something you could watch it online at one of many different sites If you wanted to own a whole series that wasn't currently available and a fan subbing group had subbed it you could go out and you could find that series but the thing that the thing that happened alongside that is because it's a bunch it's now a bunch of teenagers loose on the internet with little to no morals involved is if you wanted a series that was already out but the box that was let's say 150 dollars you could go find that series you could just go find it and you could go find it you could download it from say the pirate bay and you could and it would be yours. You, you could you now had the file. You could just play them on your computer. And this was not. This was not even the era of Plex. Like the Plex, if you've heard my episode where I talked about Plex, um, the Plex media server was not a thing. So it's not like you were doing anything glorious, like. Watching them on your phone very easily or anything like that. Although I did have a, I, I've watched Nana in some odd places. Like I've watched Nana on my phone, on my not even on my phone, on my Zoom, back before we were all slaves to iPhones, but huh, iPhones and and iDevices. But the. The long and short of it was that if you were pirating, you were a seriously hardcore fan of anime, and you were going the extra mile in terms of fandom to get this stuff because it was not easy. you could not just find it in order for in order for you to pirate now or even in order for you to pirate now or even years ago, you would have to the the content would have to be so difficult to get legitimately that your brain would just be like, I they won't let me pay for this. They just won't. And there are there are a contingent of people who believe that you should never pay for entertainment and you know, it's it's a scam and you're giving money to these huge corporations like AT and and Sony and all that bullshit. That is not the that is not the reason why you pay for entertainment. You not pay for entertainment to give you know, corporate bigwigs, you know, their new Cadillac. That that is That's a side effect. That's a side effect of the way the world is. And it's unfortunate. And it's ugly. But. I'm recording this as movie theaters are still opening up. But. If we've learned anything in the past five months, which the way America's going, I'm gonna bet we haven't <laughs> um, it, it is that the value of entertainment and the value of entertainment in the form it's intended is. the very least really high at the very most immeasurable because the reason why movies are a billion dollar industry is because they are producing the imagination as escapism and that is true of any entertainment you watch, listen to, um, experience all of it if you play this is a perfect example. I um, listen to a podcast that I actually encourage anybody to listen to because it's fantastic called Friends at the Table. It's done by Austin Walker. Um, formerly and still of kind of Waypoint, but it, him and a uh, bunch of his friends all together play through a a game in a continuing universe where they create this fantasy and it at first glance it doesn't seem like it would work but once you're listening to it you're listening to this awesome story and weird thing that becomes this that has at times in the pandemic for me become a great escape from the world as it is, and that is a value. And with with the advent of paying, created directly. Like I'm sure you've, like I'm sure you noticed, I have ads on my podcast. I make money from the ads. Um, people have Patreons. they make money from that. With the advent, um, there's a tier of entertainment that is just given away. But it's important to pay creators and pay for creations of creators because even at some angle, you are paying for the ability for that creator to, to live. And when you don't and the thing that gets lost in the cycle of entertainment and the thing um not... The thing that corporations attempt to not obscure, that, that corporations unintentionally obscure in their promotion of entertainment, is that it's easy for people to lose sight of the fact that when you watch when you watch um the morning show on um on say apple t v plus let's let's get big brained here for let's get large scale here for a second when you watch the morning show on apple t v plus yes apple is making tons of money off off of subscriptions, but you know who's also making money there the you know, the assistant showrunner whose name you don't even know because it scrolls past in the credits you don't watch and you know they're making maybe a hundred thousand dollars a year or something and they get to go and because you subscribed to and watched their show, they still have a job and they get to go to the grocery store every week for like six months and that's a big deal the the creation of media of entertainment media encompasses so many people who are not the big loudest voices in the room stars or executives or directors I, if, and who have not um, amassed such an enormous amount of money that it's that they're living in another universe from you or I. I. And the reason why people forget this is because people's, and I want to say rightful reaction many times to big corporations is like, they, these people gobbling up all the money, blah, 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 blah. But because we still have laws, they have to pay for labor. And there is some competition there. If a um, producer, if a social media manager at, say, Crunchyroll doesn't like their job and has been working there for at least three months and somewhat and in any way successfully... And Funimation is paying better. They can just call up Funimation and say, "Hey, I'm really." They can just try and apply for a job at Funimation and say, "I'm really unhappy you Crunchyroll. I'm looking to. I'm looking to make a move, and make that move. It's the and move to move to Dallas, Texas. I think Dallas, Texas works." Where- Funimation is based. Actually, it might be Austin. But um, my point is, is that there are people working a job the same way you or I work a job, or if you're a teenager, the same way you will work a job in the entertainment industry, in any version of the entertainment industry. That includes anime. And to just say, to just dismiss the the whole scenario altogether just because run by corporations just isn't right, and so back to the piracy thing, back to the, the like piracy timeline. Basically, what ended up happening is Crunchyroll became the first. When Crunchyroll first burst onto the scene, it was a piracy site, but what it was doing was different. Was it was the first like Wrangling herding of the cats into one into one branch where you could watch all these different fan subgroups and they meant and that's how they managed to pull off having all these different um what's it called having all these different having all these shows, having a mass of shows that they could go watch. That you could go to one place and watch. And that was extremely valuable because they were Smooth, they were smoothing out the wrinkles of the process of watching fans sub, which is a huge deal. And also, you didn't have to tie up your computer with um, torrent downloads, which is its own nightmare, which I might talk about in a different episode. But, um, and then Crunchyroll got, I think, from a DC venture firm, got like $500,000. On the condition that they clean up their act, and they, and they did, and they went legitimate, and that took, that took a while because they had been illegitimate for years. So I'm sure they had to like, so basically Crunchyroll emptied out and then filled back up, so to speak, and that's kind of their story. But on the other side, there was kiss anime. And Crunchyrolls was founded by uh, a bunch of UC Berkeley grads who loved anime. And in the, in the condition that the universe of the universe they existed in, they wanted to make a way to easily watch anime because they loved it. That is true. And so when they were given the opportunity to go legal, to and go legitimate, they did. Uh, probably happily, that was probably the goal to begin with. But kids anime is a different thing because kids anime has done now what um, the Pirate Bay has done, and the Pirate Bay is kind of both sides of the coin of piracy. They are. They are trying to, they are in many ways a necessary evil and in many ways an unnecessary evil in that they, if you are a student and you cannot afford the software, you can go to Pirate Bay and get the software. And that's a general statement, generally speaking. But if you are someone just looking for some movies, you can also do that. And that's not a good thing, because once again, you are falsifying the numbers, so to speak, of how many people are watching any given movie. So, and that's a, not a good thing for what I said earlier, for the whole ecosystem that I talked about earlier. Kiss anime is that second thing. It is the second thing that um, of v- people going to kid uh, and it was, just, it was very quickly this, I want to make this clear. It is the second part of the Pirate Bay scenario in that it is just a bunch of people who do not want to pay for the media they're consuming. And more than that... That that would have been a natural, you know, affair on the internet if Kiss Anime had not started a pay a paid subscription program and had just a crippling amount of ads on everything, and also it. Like, it it got more and more... uh, You can go listen to the um, Trash Taste from last week, and they talk about this... Um, I want to say more elegantly, but I'm not sure. Um, I don't, like, recall. I was laughing through most of it, so... But there were so many, like, little, like, security checks on KISS anime that it was so cumbersome at a point to use it free... They were pushing you towards just getting a membership and just doing that because it was you had to like pick all these weird things all the time to do like like they they were in making inappropriate use of the use of the I'm not a computer like security check because they were st- so clearly, doing something that was so that was now no longer. Um, remember why I used the word if you remember, I used the word illicitly before. This is now no longer illicit, this is straight up illegal. When anime piracy first became a thing, it was considered to be gray, a gray market crime, which means that it's not technically illegal. But it's also very frowned upon, and you—if you get caught—there is trouble involved. Like you will get a sternly. Many of us who have been, who were in the world of anime streaming and downloading before that stuff was legal, were prone to receiving letters from our cable providers asking us, on behalf of such and such corporation, if you could please cease this activity, we would very much it would be very much advis- advisable and we would appreciate it. Failure to cease this activity will result in termination of service. Basically. Kiss anime is Kiss anime once they started do once they started taking serious money for illegally streaming for straight up illegally streaming media without an appropriate content license without licensing that stuff from the original source with doing something illegally. And that's, that's and the, and by they were make no joke, they were printing the kind of... They were print, printing theory, serious money off of this thing. It was not... And they were printing serious money off of their free user too. It was not and is not... It was not and is not the model that can support, you know, the industry. Because they were making the money in a way where they were keeping all that money. And is the is the Japanese animation industry anything you need to defend? No. It is it uses tantamount to slave labor often <laughs> and regularly. Your favorite anime was made with the blood and sweat of animators who are working sometimes for two dollars an hour. Not even a drawing. An hour. A drawing might be less taxing, but it was an hour. And should should you be defending that business model? No, the the animation business model should be rethought, so animators can make more money and that has to be enforced and that has to be enforced with laws if necessary. But the profiting off of animation studios work without giving them money all means that those animators are making zero dollars an hour off of that product and it i'm not great at math but two is bigger than zero and you i mean you can go on you can go on um youtube right now and you can find arguments to the contrary but that this is not an argument there is not a right and a wrong here that is the that is oftentimes the trap that people can get you in that there is a, that this is a nuance thing that you can have opinions about but the bottom line is that there was a group of people who's, who nobody knew by the way no, your neighbor could have been running KISS anime and they were making like potentially millions of dollars off of a form of entertainment without without doing the basic thing you do that everyone does and that is paying for the right to show it to you. And it, that's not okay like if, if you love anime and you want to watch it, you you should be paying for the right to stream it it's so easy and you know i i on the on one hand i understand like you know your teenage kid you get like six bucks of six bucks a week as allowance or ten bucks a week as allowance you don't want to spend it on that i understand that that's a different thing but you can now sign up for crunch roll with as and have a free membership and watch with ads the same way you watch TV. You, if your parents have a Netflix subscription, there's anime on Netflix. This stuff is everywhere now. There's free series up on YouTube. You don't need to be pay you don't need to be skirting the system in order to support in order to watch in order to watch anime it, it it's not it's not that it wasn't made for you. It's not that it's that you don't have a right to it. it's that you can still watch this stuff it, but you can also do it and not support people who are making money off of the system without paying anything in and I wanna make a distinction here. Genuine fan subgroups, um, of which horrible subs may still be one, are in some ca- are in some cases still doing it for the the love the love of the medium, so to speak, but things like Kith anime at the scale that Kith anime was at. It's not. That's not doing it for the love of the medium. That's doing it for for a profit motive. You know, if you go to horrible subs website, which you still can do and you can still download everything, they have some banner ads, but by and large, you can. There's no there's no way for you to pay for the right to download it. Horrible subs fan subs from from a torrent. There's just no way for you to pay for it. And that's because they have been around for a long time, and they're doing it to provide access to stuff you might never see. And yes, they have, and yes, they should stop subbing stuff that's super readily available, and lots of, you know, Manga subtitling people do do that. Once the manga is available, they straight up are like, this is the last chapter we're going we're gonna to translate. Go buy it in the store. If you want to support this, go buy it in the store. And if you look at Team Four Star even, they say, you know, hey, support the official release. And he, here's who's responsible for this project. R- support the official release because those kinds of people know that the people watching this stuff and reading this stuff are necessarily not going and buying it and the the thing that not that nobody listening to this who Either did or still does. Pirate anime does not realize. Is if you want to watch something. You need to prove that your eyeballs are on it. Or else. It will not be produced a second time. Because. And this is the last thing I'll. This is the last tangent I'll go on. And then I'm already over 30 minutes. So. <laughs> go figure. Let's say you love a show. Um. Let's say, you, let's say you love a show. Unless it is Netflix who does this for, necessarily, for necessary programming reasons, to let go single human beings into subscribing for Netflix for upwards of a year. Um, let's say you love... Um, let's take Bakemonogatari as an example, which is a good example, actually. And you love that show and you watched the first season pirate and it was and we're in the universe with Bakimono Gatari. Season one is new and out. And you watched and you watched it and you watched it but you pirated it. If you could guarantee that you were the only person pirating Bakimono Gatari, it might still be fine. But the thing is that you can't you can't discount the fact that if you're pirating it, other people not only could be but probably are. And if enough people pirate something, it the legitimate way of viewing it isn't used enough where that show could be just canceled. Like, there could be no more episode orders that go in, and you only get one season, and that one season is all that exists. And that's the, or or an even odder twist to fate, that one season is all that comes over to America, and now the only way the American audience ever sees it is through piracy. That's a big deal. That's not something that a fan of anime wants. They want to be able to see... If you like a show, you want to get a second season. You want to get a fifth season. You want to get a tenth season. And that... That problem is real. You know, um... The total... The totality of views on things are things that people producing the media care about because even if they love those shows, they can't produce them for nobody. So if you love a show and you've been pirating it, even if you have to watch it with commercials, I know, commercials, what did we ever do before streaming? Suck it up. Sign up for Crunchyroll free version or sign up for... You know, whatever free version of anything that like, make sure that that company is letting someone know that you're you're putting eyeballs on whatever your favorite show is. That is the way you can, without money, let somebody know that you support an anime. Because as much as you think. Like, you know, buying figures and buying character goods are supporting it. The thing that supports any show or property the most is just watching that show through legitimate channels. Because then you're saying, I am giving my attention, I am giving the most valuable form of currency, my time, to this thing. And let me tell you, people, content creators, and I'm not talking about like, you know, Twitter assholes or TikTok weirdos, of which include me. Um, well, in both cases. Get paid for occupying your time. As somebody who puts a podcast out, Twice a week, I make money because you i make money. I make money not much money off of this podcast because you choose to listen to it on which I thank you if you notice I try and thank you at the beginning of every episode so just the loss of kiss anime is not the loss of anime it is not the end of the world it is not the end of the way people get into anime. Because at this point, if you were watching KISS anime, you were not taking the easiest road. You were taking the cheapest road. And that's... And sometimes you weren't even doing that. That's not... That's not okay. That's not what you need to... That's not the way that You should be consuming anime. You should be consuming anime in a way that will let people know, hey, people in America love watching this show. We'd like more of it, please. And unfortunately, the best way to do that is to do it through the platforms that are now owned by big corporations because they were successful at doing that in the first place. What gives these streaming platforms value is the fact that they are converting eyeballs into they're converting people into eyeballs on shows for you know the places that produce this the the anime we all love and on that note now this rant got a little bit too scolding parenting parentingy. Um, I have been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. If you like this episode, there is a new Sunday edition every Sunday, obviously. And there is a new normal normal edition, which sounds weird, of this show every Thursday night. Um, if And if you're interested in any of the stuff I've talked about on this episode so far... Definitely go check it out in whatever you're using to listen to me right now. Um, But until Thursday, I have been Alex, and I will talk to you then.